Welcome to Otaku Brothers, your friendly neighborhood gaming podcast featuring Rusty, R.E. Lewis 2011, and Ryan. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 79 of Otaku Brothers. My name is Rusty, and on this fine Saturday morning, I'm joined by my forever co-host and brother-in-law, Ryan. It's been a month. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing great. Um, I'm back at work now, which is weird. Um, we just com- I just completed my first week back. You've had the pleasure of working the entire time. The privilege, actually, yes. Yeah. So... Um, yeah, I didn't do anything <laughs> like the three weeks that I was off. You had lofty goals, um, though. Yeah, it, it was good, but like, I don't like. I lost sense of who I was as a human. Like, I, I don't know. There was like a lot of internal conflict because I definitely thrive off of a lot of structure. Um, like, yeah, structure and schedules, and like, I didn't have any of that. So, like, I could wake up whenever which tended to be like eight, eight o'clock, eight thirty ish, which is still relatively good. What I mean, it's sleeping in for me. Um, I woke up at seven today, just normal now, but yeah, I felt lazy waking up at eight. And then I didn't, I just sat on the couch and played games like the entire day until I went to bed <laughs> for like three weeks. Like <laughs> yeah. For three weeks. So I've accomplished a lot. Yeah. Um, in the in the grand scheme of things, in like the real world, I've accomplished nothing. But yeah. I'm 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 on a track to get a platinum, and we can talk about that when we talk about games we've been playing recently because there are a few. Mm-hmm. What about you? How are you doing? Yeah, I, I mean we're doing pretty well over here. Uh, not a lot has changed for me personally because, as you said, I've been working for the past three weeks. Uh, work has kind of been for me busier than ever. Uh, there were a few days, like I, I don't know, for me, this working from home model, I'm still trying to get adjusted to it. So what I've been typically doing and what works for me, at my previous job, I was just grinding uncontrollably. I mean, I was working sometimes 14, 16 hour days till two o'clock in the morning, working on Saturdays and Sundays. It was just crazy. My new job is far more flexible. It's wonderful. I love it. I get the flexibility to work from home outside of the whole you know, stay at home orders. And it's really nice, but uh, recently I've had more on my plate than I, I typically do. And so what's kind of worked for me is like work 12 hours on a Monday and then Tuesday kind of do a do no harm day where I'm scheduling meetings, answering emails, simple stuff. And I only, you know, maybe work for like four to six light hours and I'm taking multiple breaks to walk scoob and do whatever else, just get some sunshine, some of that vitamin D. You got to get out of the house, people. Keep your distance, but my gosh, do not stay cooped up or you will literally lose your mind. And that's what I take advantage of on those lighter days. But outside of work, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm doing a lot more of the same as what you're doing. I'm playing a lot of video games, watching a lot of the the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. That's just kind of been a comfort food TV that Lauren and I have been watching recently because uh, I finished Clone Wars, which I guess we can get into that later. Um have been watching a ton of movies but yeah fresh prince has been something that lauren and i have just that's kind of our get into bed every night and just watch a couple episodes of that before we pass out 
Yeah, I don't know. There's just not a whole lot. Like my boss, he always asks me, like, Rusty, we have a one-on-one every two weeks. And he says, how's it going? What's going on? What's new? And it's like, Steve, I've I've been in my apartment for the past two months. Like, I don't I don't know. The, pa- the, the pain in the wall seems like maybe a shade... A shade darker. I don't know. Maybe I'm going nuts. I, everything's the same. Like I have nothing new to report, you know. So, um, I don't know. Just more of the same, I would say. But lots of great video games that I've played. I uh, have a laundry list to get to once we actually get to the games we've been playing recently. You know what? Something though. Before we get to anything else, I just have to talk about something that happened this week. That to me, if you told me it was going to happen ten years ago, my mind would have just exploded. Uh, Pete Dor, we bring him up what on the podcast that? quite a bit. He was on episode nine, opening Pandora's box. One of the, I think the first guest we had on the podcast, we may have had Lauren on an episode prior to that, but one of the first guests we had on a talk brothers, Pete Dor, largely inspired me to get on YouTube back in 2010 and has largely inspired me to get on to the podcasting platform with his all gen gamers podcast. And now his uh, Retro Game Explorers podcast, which he does with some other Twitch streamers. He uh, he did a stream a couple nights ago where he, you know, it's funny because he posted on Twitter, I follow him, and it's very seldom that he posts on Twitter. If he does, it's typically what he's streaming on Twitch that night. And he posted uh, a question. He posed a question to his, his followers saying, who would be interested in in watching a Games I Bought Recently episode because that was kind of his pickups episode that he performed on or recorded on YouTube because everyone back in the YouTube gaming community recorded and posted pickup videos, which was just showing the games that you recently purchased, which eventually eventually just became kind of a materialism hey, here are all the games I bought. I haven't actually played any of these, but hey, Atlas was on the cover, so I bought it, and it looked cool. Uh, well, well, Pete always tried to make an effort to really explain why he bought the game, his experience playing it thus far, so on and so forth. Well, obviously, the, the question he posed on Twitter was met with overwhelming, yes, please record this video. So he did, and... That night, well, in the video, he kind of talked about how he was up late the night prior, reminiscing about the YouTube gaming community that once was, watching old YouTubers' videos, and he was just feeling very nostalgic. So that's why he posed the question, who would be still interested in something like this? Because Pete very rarely posts on his YouTube page. If he does, it's more tied to his Twitch account to say, hey, I'm going to Bad Gameathon to stream such and such game, come watch me, or hey horror months coming up, I'm going to be streaming a whole bunch of horror games, come check me out, type of thing. So anyways, he he posts this video, and then that night, I get an alert on my phone that's, uh, that says he's getting ready to stream on Twitch, and he's going to reminisce about the YouTube gaming community with his Twitch audience. And I was like, oh my god. I poured myself a drink, it was like a Tuesday night, I'm like, Lauren, I love you, but you need to not interrupt me because this is history in the making right here. We are reminiscing about history in the YouTube gaming community. And so I sat down and he was going alphabetically through his subscribers, watching people from the YouTube gaming community like Happy Console Gamer, Jimmy from Lots of Games. And I'm going to be mentioning people, you know, Ryan, that you, you have no idea about. But for me, it was just my teenage years and even college years watching these people. Uh, Comeback Kid, um, 
I see now the names are going to start escaping me, but Splatter Trigger, um, Mother We, he showed, um, of course, Gamester81, Jason Heine, all of the Metal Jesus Rocks, the people that were responsible for the All Gen Gamers podcast. And as he was going alphabetically, he was creeping closer to ours. And I remember uh, Pete subscribing to me back in the, I don't know, 2012-13 time frame. Oops, I pulled my, my headphones out. My bad. And, um, and I remember specifically sending him a YouTube message because I was just over the moon that this the celebrity of sorts subscribed to this lowly dude who was just sitting in front of a webcam talking about Disney games, right? Like, why would anyone want to subscribe to me uh, of that notoriety? It just didn't make sense to me. And so he got to the R's and he got to Red South City. Adam was just kind of a metalhead guy that really informal videos, but I, I was actually subscribed to him as well. And, and then he's like, he paused because you could tell he was looking at a second monitor going through his subscribers to see who was he, he was going to pull up next. He's like, oh, I wonder who this is. He's like, nobody is safe from this tonight. And he pulled up my page, Ari Lewis, 2011, my YouTube account, and he was scrolling through my videos and what he was typically doing because he wanted to kind of somewhat nudge, do a little embarrassing video from back in the day. So he was filtering to do oldest videos first. And he got to this video called I Found My PS1 that I recorded back in the summer of 2010. And it was probably something that I completely staged. Like, I'm sure my mom, when she moved out of her house to another apartment, that my PS1 surfaced. And, I, I, you know, she did say, hey, Rusty, here's your PS1 and the games that were with it. But I, I made it look as if it was just digging through this treasure trove of garbage in my closet. And then this beam of light came down and was shining on my old school ps1 slim and i pulled it out with my casper platforming games and spyro 2 ripto's rage and a little disney collection of games of chippendale rescue uh, uh racing and lion king simba's mighty adventure whatever the hell so it was just so cool to watch pete kind of poke fun at me watching my video with hundreds of other people in his Twitch stream. It was, to me, just blew my mind. I reached out to him on Twitter and just said, you know, tonight, Pete, this, or forever, this video meant nothing to me. Tonight, it means so much more because you took the time to showcase it in front of all of your Twitch streamers and just poke fun at it. And I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. So I just had to talk about that briefly because for me, it just meant so much. And I'm sure that some of the old school YouTube gaming community still listen to to this podcast. You may have migrated over. And so if you were a part of that, I'm sure you feel the same way as I do now. You were just overwhelming with nostalgia and joy. If you haven't yet seen that, and even if you weren't a part of the community, just going back and seeing what the YouTube gaming community once was is fascinating because Pete, Johnny, some of those early guys are responsible for, for video themes that really kicked off an entire generation of video game collecting. Like, I kid you not, it sounds hyperbolic, but it's so real that when Pete had piles of Xbox 360 and PS2 games and was literally just like, here's Gears of War, here's Halo, here's Grand Theft Auto, just showing all of the games in his collection, that kick-started an entire generation of people that were doing the exact same thing, just showing collection videos, game room tours, pickup videos. It's insane. And I would just implore people to go back and watch it because it's it's so mind-boggling to see what video game collecting was 
during that time compared to what it is now, which is, God, not nearly impossible to shop on eBay because of how scarce the deals are. Because it's it's ine- it's inevitable to say that you know the YouTube game community to a certain degree is inflated prices. So I'll get off my soapbox. That was amazing. That's all I'll say. But it was a hell of a good time and made my week. Probably made my month. Maybe my year. It was just amazing. So <laughs> I'll stop. Yeah, because you. you- yeah, you sent me a text saying, hey, like he's streaming, like watching old videos. And then I hopped on while I was playing some Dark Souls and I was watching him and then he passed ours. And then I was like, oh, okay, maybe he's not going to go to Rusty. And then I like went off to what I think watching Clone Wars. And then I got like this text with like a hundred exclamation points. It seemed <laughs> like he turned me on. Well, as he does turn every you on. night. And then, <laughs> and then. Like I hopped on and he was going through like I, I saw one where he was watching someone go through like a store and look at prices and like pulling games and stuff, which is interesting to see that style because I was never I watched Minecraft videos the same time you were doing your YouTube channel, which totally different scene. Yeah. But then he went to yours and it was just like old style rusty <laughs> and like the and one, by that like, you mean that braces and balls. College, yeah, and super yeah. thin. And uh, watching you go through these games, like obviously Disney shit, because that's what you like. Mm-hmm. And then it was just seeing your comments, like of excitement in the on the side. We're like, yeah, I still got them, and all that jazz. It was entertaining. Yeah, no, it was definitely fun to reminisce. So I, I really appreciate Pete doing that, and I'm sure a lot of people just appreciated uh, whether they show whether he showcased your videos or not. It was just a really fun time. So definitely go check that out. Just Pete um, Twitch.tv slash Pete Door. You can find it in one of his more recent streams. It's it's really good times. But Ryan, we have a super laxed episode this week. Nothing really strict planned in terms of agenda because it's been a month, and Ryan and I were just kind of talking back and forth this week and. We'll get into it, but we've been doing a lot of share playing on PS4 and just micing up on the the PlayStation, talking late at night, and we said we should really get behind the mic and, and record a podcast again. Um, because yeah, I, mi- I mean, oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say like, so the reason we took a break and it, it was pretty long was because I mean we talked about coronavirus for a couple episodes and I think it was getting old and we didn't. Because I was literally sitting home doing nothing except games. We didn't want it to be redundant, uh, just talking about the same stuff over the last couple episodes. And now that my furloughs ended and now that we're kind of getting back into it, we have kind of a weird time to reminisce over Mm -hmm. and how we kind of coped with it um, as everything kind of starts to pick up. So, yeah, SharePlay was definitely... I mean, Rusty has quarantined me to my place besides like randomly showing up with a dog once in a while. Mm-hmm. So like, he's like, I don't want to be anywhere near you. And we're kind of now getting to the point where hopefully we can start couch co-oping opposed to like a block or two away. Well, what I was kind of saying last night, and I'm I'm still encouraging everyone to social distance as much as you possibly can. Um but Ryan and I, like, we are being very mindful when we go to grocery stores. We're wearing masks. We very seldomly go to grocery stores unless it's, like, on an as-needed basis. So every week and a half, two weeks, we go get as much as we possibly can to sustain us for our living. But all of that to say, if if either of us were carriers, we would have passed it to one another already. So th- that sounds like a terrible way of, of pitching it. 
However, we're also not having block parties like, like yesterday was having because patios opened up here in Ohio. And people yeah, it were... was raining and there was a tent outside my apartment and at the kind of a restaurant kind of clubhouse of our apartment complex. There were just people raging until like one o'clock in the morning. Yeah. But I mean, like, we're going to sit six feet apart. So we're not going to we're still going to be the allotted distance and we're not going to be like making out like I'm not going to be like <laughs> getting up in his grill. Yeah. We're going to be. Six feet apart on opposite sides with Scooby in between us to be that bacteria barrier. That's right. That's right. Yeah, we'll have to figure out what we're going to to play. Um, but yeah, we'll get to that. We have super chill episode. And I guess to kind of piggyback on what you were saying, Ryan, about the break and redundancy and, and what we were talking about. It would have been a week-to-week thing talking about the games we've been playing recently. Because the video game industry up until this past week, which has just been... A seemingly overwhelming amount of news in terms, it almost seemed like E3 in terms of, in the matter of three days, what was announced, Um, but nothing was happening in the past month, really, so there was really no reason for us to get behind the mics and talk unless we had a a dedicated topic around, you know, whether we did a retrospective about a console or whatnot, but uh, I know you needed that time off to kind of recoup, relax, rejuvenate your energy and just your stress levels, because I know your job is very stressful. Uh, so yeah, we yeah. just kind of kicked back and played games together and it was a good time. So, uh, yeah, we have I missed a lot that to... level of stress after the first week being back. Like my Friday three o'clock did not disappoint of let's hype up the stress going into the weekend. <laughs> so, well, you had to retain a, you had to retain some inkling of stress by playing Dark Souls three for three straight weeks. Yeah, no. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can't argue with that. It was yeah. definitely, I mean, it was, I don't know what I've been craving. It's, it's some RPG that allows me to gear a character and like go towards a goal. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't know what I want in life, let alone an RPG, but like, I want something. I really just want Elden Ring to come out, but like, I'm working to figure out, I mean, you've had the same kind of issue this week. Is, yeah. Yeah, no, it's Who been rough. Who am I with video games? This, like, we tried Assassin's Creed, and then we quickly went to Diablo, and then like now we're like, well, I guess I'm gonna do a platformer, and Ryan's gonna get back to Dark Souls three. Yeah. <laughs> so like, we're it, yeah, lost. we've kind of been all over the place. I mean, I I don't want to say I spent more time looking at my shelf, figuring out what I'm gonna play over actually playing video games, but there's been some nights where it's it's kind of like that. I just. I'm picking up games, looking at the back of them, primarily on PS4, PS3, because uh, I don't have anything in my Switch library that's really, you know, sparking my interest right now. But a couple weeks ago, uh, after you'd been furloughed, I know you went back to Dark Souls 3, you were really heavily invested into that grind, and I was, um, I don't know what I was between games, like, I don't remember how, what I'd just recently finished, uh, maybe, oh, it was Final Fantasy 15, I think. Yeah, I think I just finished oh, yeah. Final Fantasy 15, and I uh, was heavy playing Animal Crossing and Mario Kart 8 on the Switch, and I was like, you know what? I need to go back and finally polish off the first Dark Souls game, because I remember being in the DLC, and there was a boss that I couldn't beat, and I just shelved it for whatever reason. I think he was, like, you and I always get into these mindsets where we kind of binge a certain series of games, or just one particular game, 
and it's to our detriment because we play it so much. We burn ourselves out. Animal and just, Crossing. Yeah. Oh, I mean, that was what you, you were playing for such a, I think like 100 hours or 120 hours. And, I and just, then you hopped into this. Yeah. And I just, I can't play more Animal Crossing right now. I just kind of burn myself out. So picked up Dark Souls 1 and I, it took me a while because mechanically those games are just so different, especially the earlier ones. It's just kind of almost robotic in the way the characters move. It's slow compared to the far more streamlined, fast movement of Dark Souls 3 and Bloodborne. So I was kind of just running around some areas earlier in the game of Dark Souls 1, trying to get the the feel of the, the, the gameplay. And I had to watch a tutorial of the area I was in, the bonfire I was at, because I'm like, gosh, I don't know where the next boss is. Well, it was Artorius of uh, the, the Dark Abyss, or Artorius of the Abyss, I think is his actual name. Yeah. So you run through this forest, yeah. you take an elevator down, and you go and fight Artorius. And he's a pretty intimidating boss. He's actually one of the hardest bosses in, in Dark Souls 1. And I yeah. beat him on my, my third try. So it was kind of like that spark of confidence that I needed to just say, like, all right, I'm ready for the end game. Like, I can do this. And I think you and I mic'd up, and that's when we discovered, like, I knew. That was share, the first time, yeah, I, SharePlay. I, I knew SharePlay existed, but I guess I just, it was kind of out of sight, out of mind. I didn't really th- think about it all that much. But my gosh, talk about the perfect thing for quarantine gaming if you have friends nearby. Obviously, there's Twitch now, and you can use that, but um, I don't really know how all the back-end mechanics of Twitch works. So I was like, hey, Ryan, let's get mic'd up. So you got your headset on, I got mine on, and I'm like, I want to give this a try. I've never done this before, and I don't know how this works. And you were like, all right, whatever. So I clicked share play, and I said, did you get a notification? You said, yeah. You clicked on the notification as it came up on your screen. And I'm like, can you see my screen? And you were like, yeah. And I was like, holy shit. So you watched me play <laughs> through the rest of Dark Souls 1. It was just the coolest thing ever. I mean, in a world of Twitch, it's kind of just like, Rusty, it's not that big of a deal. But it kind of is if you don't have the... The, the means to use Twitch, you know? And you um, wasted like an hour in the darkness trying to get fucking bugs. <laughs> and then I already had the item that I needed. <laughs> yeah, it was going towards Nido, and you have like the un it's like the undead giant, like that dark descent from Firelink. Um and you need bugs or a lantern or whatever. So I was trying to grind out bugs because it was way too dark and I had not gotten to that place. And that's Turns the other... out you already had a lantern Yeah. and you had already beaten the boss when we got to the boss. Yeah. Well, and it I was like remember. an hour and a half of me like grinding and us like raging. It was stormy out and I was just – we ended up beating the game after that. But We, we did. <laughs> it was – Cool. But that's the cool other neat mechanic of um, or feature of SharePlay is that I can surrender control to you so you can play my game through your screen. Even though, let's just say you didn't own Dark Souls, the disc isn't in your console, you can still play my version of Dark Souls, which was just the wildest thing to me. I know technology's come so far, but to discover that uh, at this stay-at-home quarantine, uh, you know, world that we live in it was really pretty neat to figure that out so we got to the final boss and it's this long walk and trek to to get to him you walk down this long path uh avoid all of these dark knights and or black knights i can't remember what are they black knights the black yeah, knights the first kill or something 
then. Yeah, so you avoid all those guys, and then you go in, and the final boss, all things considered, is 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 really pretty easy uh, if you can master. Don't shit on win like that. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you can master the parry mechanic, man, it's like a three hit system. You're done. Credits roll, and so that's what you were telling me to do. And I'm like, no, man, I'm just gonna hack this person to death and and be on my merry way. And I got screwed up. Yeah, I got wrecked yeah. like two attempts in. So I was like, all right, I need to I need to give this a try. First attempt. Listen to Ryan. Yeah, listen to Ryan. First attempt died. Second attempt, three times mastered it. I, I don't think I missed once. Like I literally parried no, parried the person three times, killed the final boss, and um, yeah, I beat Dark Souls one. I'm, I'm glad to say I finally conquered that game. That series is masterful. I think that. Dark Souls is yeah. quite literally a modern classic. That game is so brilliant. No, it was it was a ton of fun. And then I think we were going to start something else um, that evening. And I was like, give me like an hour. And I had Nito, the Four Kings, and then Gwyn as well. Um, so I went and beat it because we had just trekked through the area. Um, so I kind of knew the route. And I beat that as well that same day. Yep, yep. Well, and so and that, you were kind of like in that mood for yeah. Dark Souls after. Oh, that. I was. Yeah, I was just really in the mood. And so you went back to Dark Souls 3 that evening, and it was late. I yeah. mean, it was like, you know, getting to 10, 11, 12 o'clock. And I got the itch, and I'm like, you know what? I need to beat Dark Souls 2. I've beaten 3, I've beaten 1. I, I got to complete the trilogy. So I picked up 2, and it was very similar to starting 1 again. Like, where the heck am I? This game. Like, mechanically is very much the same, but, like, structurally, Dark Souls 2 is just such a a, a different game in the sense that in 1, and even 3 for that matter, you have these different, almost levels. Like, if you compare it to a platformer, you have, like, these different levels that you get into, or these zones, and it's, it's all leading up to this crazy-ass boss for that zone. Dark Souls 2 is different in the sense that you're fighting like 50 bosses in this game so like instead of yeah, zones I think there's like 40 bosses or something like that which is nuts yeah so instead of like zones of a common enemy it's like zones of a common enemy plus boss go to the next one and rinse and repeat 40 plus times it's crazy a lot of them are optional um but yeah it's it's definitely my least favorite of the dark souls games i would say three one and then in a very distant universe dark souls 2 that's not to say it's a yeah, bad game I completely agree. like i think that you know miyazaki wasn't a part of the development of 2 as far as i'm aware and it definitely shows however i think they took the the foundation of what dark souls 1 was and they did an admirable job creating a dark souls like game it it, it certainly earns its keep in the Dark Souls family, but it's also definitely the bastard stepchild of the bunch. Uh, but if yeah, you're... I would almost... Oh, go ahead. No, sorry, I'm like ranting. Go ahead. I'd almost say it plays like a Souls-like opposed to like a Dark Souls because he wasn't involved, so you get a lot of the... When you hit someone, there's no poise. It almost seems like there's no poise because you can hit through someone and it feels like you're cutting through butter. Yeah. There's no like reaction of the person. So, like, you use your sword, and it's a heavy sword, or I was using a katana for a while, and there's there's no kickback on the individual. So they poise through literally everything. 
So you hit them, they hit you. It's a lot of trading. So you have to bump up your ex or your health. The bitch figure. Yeah. So um, that was one of my main things. And like, I'm all like, it was almost less is more. Charm uh, and Ultra was uh, promoting Dark Souls Three, but like when Dark Souls two, 2 was happening, like there's the Rat Vanguard. I, th- I don't know if that one's the one of just a horde of a bunch of tiny rats, which is just a normal enemy. Yeah, like the quality of bosses. I mean, some of that one's required, but like they're not good. Like, yeah, for some of those, you're like you're fighting normal enemies, and I guess Deacons of the Deep. Um, and Dark Souls 3 is kind of one of those horde enemies, which I guess. But, like, you're not fighting basic rats. And, like, I don't know. I, I wasn't a huge fan. Like, I enjoyed my time playing alongside you, and I think that's what made it better as an experience. But I wouldn't, if you didn't say, hey, I'm going to play Dark Souls 2, and we were kind of at the same spot, or you were a little bit ahead, so I had to, in my time off, catch up. Yeah. And we played it alongside each other, and I think that's what made it a better experience. But as far as will I ever play Dark Souls 2 again? Probably not. Well, that's <laughs> the thing. I'll definitely play 1 again. Yeah. No, I will too. And, you know, I might even consider getting it 1 on, on the Switch just to have it portably as I've done for, for Skyrim. But yet when I think about the memorable moments of Dark Souls 1, 3, Bloodborne... I have very distinct memories of accomplishing a boss battle, a reveal of going to a new zone, you know, a gate opening and seeing the birds flutter in the distance and Bloodborne. Same thing with 3 and and 1 in in terms of Dark Souls. But 2, it was kind of just like, ah, fuck, man, finally I beat that. All right, move on to the next game. Like, I mean, it was. we went to, you went to fight the king and like, all they did to increase the difficulty was give him like a million health and restrict your damage. And then you were just like, fuck this game. Like we had already beaten it at that point and there was no like trophy for beating him. So yeah. Well, in the final boss, and this was another game where like, I, w- I mean, I was having fun. I, I don't want to shy away from the fact or understate that I, I did enjoy my time with Dark Souls 2. I think what you were saying, largely because you and I were playing it alongside each other, we were talking uh, over the headset as we were getting through areas. But when I got to the final boss, I was just, first of all, it's ridiculous because you just get cursed and die within seconds. And I was like, this is bogus. I, I'm i going to use my humanity and see if I can spawn people in. I spawned an army of people. I literally spawned <laughs> yeah. three dudes, like not the NPCs, like three dudes that had their summon signs next to the bonfire. And I rolled in there. I sat in the back of the arena, popped open a Coca-Cola, had some popcorn, and just watched these guys wreck the final boss so I could watch the credits roll. And I got my gold trophy. And I was out of there. Like, I just didn't yeah. care at that point, you know? Um, which it shouldn't be no, like it was, that. It was entertaining to watch just a horde i think it was like three or four people as you're sitting back in the back and then like you all like wave and point down at the end and these people are like what the hell is this guy doing it was funny because after they defeated the final boss i love gestures in dark souls they're just fantastic especially when you summon an uh, an npc or another player 
And so they beat the final boss for me and I rushed up to them and I did the hype up gesture. So imagine like a quarterback of a high school football team, like getting his guys like riled up and fired up for the game. Like that's what I did after they beat the final boss. (laughs) It was just like, I was just comical, but, um, no, it was a ton of fun. Yeah. And then we, so we both beat that one and then I started my long and arduous task of platinum, platinuming Dark Souls three. Okay, so at that point, I needed two completions. So, like, the first time I completed Dark Souls 3, I just did the normal, like, go up to the fire and burst into flame, just link the fire, which is kind of just the basic ending. And there's two other endings to Dark Souls 3. There's one where you have to give the firekeeper her eyes, which you get the eyes after Champion Gundir in some, like, dark area. And then that one basically creates an eternal darkness and then the last one um was what was it you have to go through this long quest line and you basically become a hollow and then you become the lord of hollow and you just walk off like a badass into the uh into the world at the end so i had just beaten one and then we beat two and then that night i also beat three to get my second ending okay so i completed all dark souls in less than a week. So I was pretty proud of that. And then at that point, I was like, you know what? I might as well platinum it. And I had like some random trophies, like join a covenant that I miss. Um, the scariest of which is beating the nameless king. Um, the ones at that point that I didn't have. There's collecting all spells, collecting all gestures, collecting all miracles, and then collecting all rings. So it's a lot of a collect-a-thon. Mm-hmm. But in Dark Souls, that's like a hell of a process. But I was unemployed at that point, so <laughs> I was enthusiastic. Um, so I had, like, originally I had made a character called Big Boy, B-O-I, <laughs> just because I was using a, a Black Knight's Greatsword, and I was just trying to go through that, and... I was like, oh, yeah, I can collect everything on one character. I was a naive kid or adult (laughs) a week ago. So uh, I I realized quickly that, like, boss souls can go two different ways. And you kind of need, like, there's a boss soul. It's a stray demon, which can either be a ring or something else or a, a pyromancy. So I had screwed up that. So, like, I'd have to go through New Game Plus to get that. And I was like, I've watched so many speed runs of this game that I can do this pretty quick. Um, so I ran through to get my third ending in six hours and 11 minutes, which I'm pretty proud of. Yeah, Beating all run. of Dark Souls. I think like the normal is like 20 or 30 hours, which mm-hmm. that's pretty good, beating in six and 11. And so then I ended up just making a character for each one of the trophies. So I beat, I got all the spells on wearing character, and then I got a new. I just deleted them after that. And then I got another character, and I did all gestures. But like I screwed up because I'm not good at following directions. Apparently, these YouTube walkthroughs. So I had to restart the gestures a couple times. But yeah, I got that trophy, so I'm pretty proud of that. And then now I'm working on all pyromancies, all miracles, um, and then all I have is all rings. So I have one pyromancy to get, which is just grinding out a covenant uh, shackles, and then miracles. I have to be the nameless king, which I might have to face today, 
Or if we play video games together, I'll have to face tomorrow. Yeah. So I'm hoping we play video games today so I don't have to do it today and I can do it tomorrow. Because, like, as I'm collect, so, like, the miracles that I'm missing are the Sun Covenant, like, praise the sun. Um, if you go through the two levels of that covenant, you get two different miracles. So I'm grinding out gold or sun medals right now to mm-hmm. increase my standing. But like I'm slowly getting embers and stuff to like help me in that fight. So I'm fine grinding out levels that way. Um, so I have currently about 80 attempts worth of items. And if I and by the time I finish collecting all of those medals, I'll have about a 200 attempts. And if I can't beat the Nameless King in 200 attempts, Jeez. I'm just going to snap my disc and just fucking burn down my apartment with me in it. Because, <laughs> like, I don't deserve to call myself a gamer if I can't beat the Nameless King in 200 attempts. Yeah. Well, 127 right now. I'm going for, like, a bleed build, even though I'm seeing now that he's bleed resistant. But I've seen videos in the last six months where there's been no updates that bleed has just opened been overpowered yeah so yeah that's kind of where i'm at in my uh mental state um i I can definitely it's going to take a while to grind out some of those covenant but i think it's uh very doable and then the the hardest one is going to be master of rings so there is um you have to get all rings which is like oh cool new game i'll get 70 rings i did that didn't get a achievement um, you have to go through New Game Plus, get like 21 rings, and then New Game Plus 2, and get 16 rings Jeez. for a total of 107 rings, which is a shit ton. I've never played a New Game Plus, which I'm going to have to now. And then you have to defeat the Nameless King on New Game Plus 2 to get to the area after him to get a ring. That sounds And that awful. was like a soul-crushing experience to read that (laughs) in a walkthrough yeah and like i haven't coped with that yet i'm still like in hard denial like i'm gonna try to beat him once and once i get down his moveset after dying hopefully not 200 times then i'll see if it's possible or not for me or maybe i just need to get good but yeah i think for me the last thing i want to do in dark souls 3 is just beat the nameless king which couple things about that one it's freaking hard as hell like the hardest boss i've ever fought in any dark souls game and i've beaten martyr legarius on new game plus and bloodborne people which that's a hell of a feat mind you like yeah it's very challenging to do that and even the nameless king is more challenging than that and not a new game plus base game and what blows my mind is that that trophy has like 34% people that have played Dark Souls 3 have gotten it. Yeah, I was surprised. And Which, then I think yeah. the ring trophy is like 4%. Yeah, that makes sense. Or some, yeah, and I'm like, okay, I get that. And like all the collecting trophies are around 5%, but like 30% is pretty high. It <laughs> like is. I it Mainly my issue is one, I'm greedy. So like the first phase I can get past... That's not too much of an issue. The problem is more the camera. And, like, I need yeah. to figure out who I focus on. And by the time I get used to the first fight, I'll be figuring out the second. But 
he delays his attack so much, and I'm not used to that timing. That it really throws me off because most their most bosses in that game don't delay their attacks. Yeah. But the nameless king, once you get to King of Storms or whatever, once he Ornstein and Smoes his dragon, he like he winds up, and that wind up is so long. He jabs at you, and I'm already like out of my invincibility frames in my role by the time he actually jabs. So I get hit, and then like. He's a two, two and a half, depending on your vigor, um, shot kill. So, like, I'm pretty dead pretty quick. So I've never actually had time to learn him. I think I fought him maybe, like, seven or eight times. And I'm just, like, I don't have the patience right now. But I, I, I'm i on a pretty... I'm going to stick with this quest to platinum this game. I think that would be a, a good feat. Yeah, I mean, for me... The only comparison I can say for a rusty game is is ukulele. Now I spent a fraction, a huge fraction of the time you're spending on Dark Souls Three. I think it took me thirty five to forty hours to get the the platinum trophy in ukulele. However, some of those trophies were infuriating to get. They didn't ruin the experience for me, but I could understand how it would ruin the experience for others. Now, one platinum trophy I may never get is the platinum trophy for ukulele in the Impossible Layer because that final level pretty much ruined that game for me. Like, I, I just, it's yeah. it's nonsensical. I don't know what the developers were thinking in terms of the rest of the game in comparison to that. When they you bump the two up against each other, it's night and day. I mean, it's it's a, you're playing a completely different game. It's like you're playing Donkey Kong Country, and then you're going right into Cuphead. It's like, what? Wait, what's happening here? This is These are two different games. And... I don't know what they were thinking, but that's it's frustrating. However, I think the Nameless King is far more doable. I, I, it remains to be seen about the ring thing. That that seems like a, a pretty heavy effort, but yeah, it's um it's going to be interesting. So I'm like currently ninety percent the way through, and like getting this, I'll probably once I complete miracles because I have to do two trophies in one: the Nameless King and miracles. I'll probably be like ninety three percent or ninety four. Which is pretty good. Like I think on Bloodborne, I'm around 85, and I only have the uh, catacombs stuff to platinum that one. So that would be a fun one too. Um, but I just that's more of a watching a walkthrough. Yeah. Because I'm on like halfway through the catacombs, and like to get catacombs, you're really trying to get to the Queen of Yarnum, which is I don't know, like five or six dungeons deep with multiple dungeons per or multiple levels per dungeon and then to get the beast claws as well to get all weapons because mm. you have to go through catacombs to get that so those are the only ones i really have and then i have completed the game which i'm not beating the game because the save file that i'm using is all weapons in queen of yarnum okay so like once i get that i've i've gotten the final boss it's he's not hard it's just the moon presence so Gotcha. Yeah, not a big deal. I so saw I just have three trophies, but nice. Yeah, I'm on a Dark Souls kick. Uh, well, I'm I'm similarly on a, a different game series kick, and that is uh, Resident Evil. I I don't know yeah. what you know what caused this. I just was really in the mood to play. Well, I guess what kicked it off is you know you and I were very much in the co-op gaming mood, kind of co-oping Dark Souls, if you will, in terms of watching one another. Uh, defeat some of the final bosses in Dark Souls 2 and 1 and then I was like 
you know, I've been wanting to get you on the, the Resident Evil train since I've been trying to get you to play four, and I know you, that's not one of your most memorable gaming experiences, so, to say not the least, but I said, hear me out, there is a sale right now on the PSN, all the Resident Evil games are on sale, why don't we play through Resident Evil 5 together? It's a very co-op focused game, and you still have to deal with the Resident Evil shooting mechanics, but it's it's made easier by playing co-op. You're like, all right, whatever. It was like seven bucks. So you download Resident Evil 5, and we continued to play through the whole game in like three days, like three sittings. We beat it. Yeah. And it was quick. That was a good time. I mean, didn't you have fun with that? No, it was a ton of fun. I, I'm more, I can watch someone who enjoys that play style play Resident Evil. I didn't like the very fixed camera in 4, and since you've played through a lot of them, you're used to that. Um, I just, it's not my scene, but I'm all for watching someone who enjoys it play through it and helping navigate that. Yeah. I just, I, I don't know. I Maybe you'll <laughs> eventually convince me over this lifetime that I will play through it. Honestly, it's a classic. But. Now I'd rather you play through seven and me watch you do that than play four just because okay. like it's it'll scare the living daylights out of you. But it's a thrilling, one, exhilarating experience. Is that the one with like the dude who chops off the son's arm in the table? Yeah. I mean, okay. it's and that's the thing. So what I'll get into next, we had a good time playing Resident Evil, Resident Evil 5. I was still in the mood. Yeah. And I have Resident Evil 2 Remake on my shelf. And I said, hey, would you be willing to watch me play through that? And you did. You were kind of my wayward and guide uh, as I was playing through the Leon campaign. Or, yeah, Leon Kennedy campaign. Because this is the difference between early Resident Evil versus like Resident Evil 4 and 5. 4 and 5, you're always moving forward. You're always going to a new location, exploring new areas. And you're never really confined to... Resident Evil 1, where you're in this mansion. Resident Evil 2, where you're kind of in this police station. You eventually make your way down to the sewers. But for the most part, you're exploring one central location. And that's both to its benefit and its detriment, in my opinion. Because there's so many things that you can very easily overlook. That I would kind of consider essential items. Like, I don't know, like shotguns, magnums like guns that are very much going to help you defeat bosses later on in the game. And so that's yeah, why... Yeah, you almost missed those when we were playing. Like, you would have missed those two yeah. guns that we got in the police station right off the bat. Yeah, and so that's kind of my my biggest frustration with those games. However, Resident Evil 2, I understand why that game is held to the pedigree that it is, the original, and the remake, seeing that game polished to hell. I mean, it looks graphically stunning and it was just such a treat to finally experience that game and why people love it so much and as I was going through I got to a point where you know there's this helicopter crash and as you make your way around to the other side of the police station you walk to the other side of the, the helicopter crash and this crazy huge guy drops down from the ceiling he's called Tyrant or Mr. X, if you will, and he's just wearing this giant raincoat, he has this, like, Italian mobster hat on, and he just walks like Michael Myers around, he follows you around the whole place, the whole police station, 
for no concernable reason. He just he just follows you, or no discernible reason. And holy shit, it was like the freakiest <laughs> thing because it's kind of like there's 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 horror movies where you have really fast monsters chasing you, and that's scary to a certain sense. But why? The Halloween movies always scare me most. Like the original Jamie Lee Curtis, John Carpenter Halloween movie always scared me so much was because Michael Myers never ran. He always walked. And I felt like that was creepier than a run because the man always found a way to find you. And that's the same thing with Tyrant. He always manages to get to, to find you and make it make his way to you, even if you're running. At a, at a crazy pace, he still finds you. And so it just makes that sense of tension and anxiety trying to pick a lock, get into the, the safe or the locker room and get the, the shotgun because he's coming in, man. He's going to find his way in there and just beat the holy hell out of you and kill you within seconds before you get out of there. So I think that is what really made that game freaky for me because and what I was getting at, and I'm trying to circle back and make my point here. Resident Evil 7 okay. is kind of like set Resident Evil 7 is kind of like the benchmark of horror for me now. Like okay. I don't see how any game is going to surpass that level of just scared out of my wits. I mean, I had Scooby tucked under my arm. I was wearing headphones, lights off, playing late at night. Lorne was in the other room, and I've yet to be scared on any medium, t- television, film, or game, as much as I was playing Resident Evil 7. So when I look at Resident Evil 2, for me, it's kind of just like a, a thrilling action zombie game. It wasn't, like, I know it is a horror game, and Tyrant made it more of a horror game than an action game, but, like, when I'm running through these dark hallways and a zombie comes out of nowhere and bites me and kills me, it's just like, Oh, okay. Like it, it's not freaky really to me. It's just kind of like, oh, okay. Got to got to kill the zombie. Got to got to get on to my way. Um, yeah. And so that's why like I'm really looking forward to hopefully, um, you know, tonight we might couch co-op a game. And I have the Silent Hill collection on PS3. I'd like to play Silent Hill 2 because that's it's kind of held in the same same way as the first Resident Evil, as where where it like really influenced horror games moving forward and it was like the benchmark of its time as the scariest horror game and uh i don't know what it is but i'm just really in a horror game mood uh and resident evil 5 and 2 really scratched that itch um but again it wasn't like super creepy resident evil 5 i don't even consider a horror game that's just a an action zombie shooter you know uh and 6 is very much the same way but um but yeah, I mean, all that to say, Resident Evil 2 was great. I started Claire's campaign. I haven't quite finished it yet. I'm sure I'll polish that off here in another month or so. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to playing Resident Evil 3, 3 Remake and anxiously anticipating what they're going to do with Resident Evil 8 because that was recently rumored uh, to be in development as well. But but yeah, I'm glad you could uh, no. you could watch me play Resident Evil 2. No, it was a, it was a ton of fun uh, to catch co-op that one. Um, I'm definitely like... I'm sort of in a horror mood. Um, what was that movie that I recently watched? That was a horror movie. The Train of Oh, Dubasan. Bye Bye Man. Oh, yeah. Like, I don't know. Like That one always freaked me out, just the idea. Um, 
but it wasn't as scary as like it follows and it follows was such a good horror movie because of that same concept of like mr x or whatever his other tyrant man was it was because it's a slow grind and like it's always behind you and it's not so much like the jump scare it's more that those footsteps that's terrifying Mm -hmm. and then like him bursting through the door is the climax of that but it's more the sound effects and like you building your own anxiety that is the terrifying thing um so yeah it was it was a ton of fun um i'm glad i wasn't actually at controls but yeah. like navigating through like I was your map and compass and everything. And like, let me look up a guide on how we get a flamethrower or whatever. Uh, that was a lot of fun. I was like, I was your Claire, bro. <laughs> yeah, no, I appreciated it. It was it was a good time and I'm glad we could experience it together because um, it also was getting me wanting to stream on Twitch so badly just because I feel like those games are meant to it's it's so fun to see the person's initial reaction playing a game like this blind, like not knowing what's coming. Like yeah. when Tyrant was first introduced, it was this like, oh my gosh moment, you know, it was so freaky. Uh, but it's it would be fun to see, like I was actually watching the, the video of Pete streaming Resident Evil 2 because I wanted to see his reactions playing a game like that. And I think that's what's so fun about these games. And that's why I wanted to have you and I... Um, kind of share playing and talking through it because then you could get my raw reactions as well, even if just audibly. Yeah. But now, I think it'll be fun now that like we're able to sit side by side and like, what was it Star Wars where we were freaking out about like some of the boss or not? It was just the regular enemies. We were just freaking out because like it was glitching out and we were screaming. Yeah, it was but, just like, I think, hilarious. Yeah, that was a great game. But Resident Evil, I think, would be definitely a fun one, if not uh, Silent Hill. Yeah, so maybe tonight we'll order some food or something, and uh, we can game it up. Be good times. Yeah, I'm game for that. But um, I'll quickly just talk Speak. about these. Oh, go ahead. What were you going to say? You're getting so Oh, I was going to segue into food. <laughs> oh, okay. I, um, I, uh, I made salmon for the first time. Um, it looked week. delicious, by the way. You sent a picture. Yeah, it was great. Um, I... It tasted really good for what I actually cooked of it. It was a lot thicker than the like the guide that I listened to. It said like five minute on five minutes on the non skin side of the fish, so I did that. But I realized his fish was a lot skinnier than mine. Mine was a pretty thick salmon. Mm-hmm. It was thick, boy. But yeah. like, so like the inside was a little bit raw, so I just threw it back on and it crisped it up even more in the, like already juice of the previous cook and it was so good like oh my gosh i love salmon it's good yeah dad was talking like we are he sent us pictures of like reminiscing of our cruise that we took last summer and i'm like salmon sounds amazing and because some of the factories are down who produce the chicken and the uh beef or steak for um walmart i ended up like there's no chicken or anything there so i i grabbed some meat to hold myself over so i didn't like eat my neighbors <laughs> and like yeah it, it was really good i had i've been eating some potatoes they actually need to get some more potatoes so i had salmon potatoes and some raw broccoli and it was so yeah it's uh it's super now I'm really hungry i'm currently like fasted after a leg day this morning all i've had is caffeine or poison juice proud so, like, of you yeah i'm, ready, I'm, I'm yeah. Trying to figure out what I want for lunch when I come over 
I'm, I'm feeling Subway, you know? You can never go wrong. I mean, besides Jared, you can go pretty wrong with Subway. But, like, <laughs> yeah, we I'm could feeling, like, a 12-inch wheat uh, cheesesteak. You got some pepper jack. It's not spicy, but, like, gives the illusion of spice. It's, like, semi-real, pretty fake meat. And then you get, like, all vegetables except for black olives because fuck whoever likes black olives. Yeah, not a fan. And then you get some um, chipotle sauce. I might do that. I might go get some uh, Subway, and then we can figure out what we want to scare ourselves with. Yeah. Not that we're ending the episode now, but I'm, like, drooling over here. Okay. Well, we've still got a lot of episode to go, yeah, so, you know, buckle yeah. up, buddy. Uh, I'm ready. Yeah, I'm not sure what I want for lunch, but I'll, I'll cross that bridge when I get to it. A couple other games I'll, I'll quickly kind of gloss over here. Not gloss over, but just talk about quickly because I don't have a whole lot to discuss. The first is Far Cry 3. That was another game I probably haven't mentioned yet that I've pl- been playing because it's, it's been a month. Uh, but that was on sale on PSN Store, and it's kind of the quote-unquote remastered version from the PS3 360 generation. My favorite Far Cry still remains. I've only played 3, 4, and a little bit of 5. Actually, I played a little bit of 2 as well, but 3 is just a crowning achievement in that series. I think it's still the highlight of Far Cry from what I've played. I 4 was phenomenal, but 3, that island setting, Voss as the villain, your character is Jason, Jason, just the journey that he goes through beginning to end, exploring the island, the burning the marijuana mission, where you, you have to go in this sec- section of the island and just take a flamethrower to four fields of marijuana. The Skrillic, Skrillic song that plays, oh man, that's just such a fun time. Yeah, I, I just had a blast. Back to yeah, Wherever gosh, he's at. whatever happened to dubstep. But it was a really good playthrough. I actually was looking at the achievement list, and or not achievement, but, but trophy listing, and there really wasn't a whole lot that was uh, too daunting. So, couple collectible things that were hard, but um, I'm actually only one trophy away from getting the platinum trophy. What's what's difficult about that is you have to collect 60 of these relics hidden around the island, just these little hidden collectibles. The problem with that is you kind of go to your um, your warehouse place and you can buy maps that actually show exactly where these relics are. The problem with that is. The easy relics are on the borders of the water. So if you go on the shoreline, you see a a mark on your map, and it's like in the water. So all you have to do is swim down, sunken ship, swim through, collect it, you're out of there. Not a big deal. What's really challenging is when you go inland and you see a, uh, a mark on the map for a relic, and you get to it, and you're like standing right there, and you're like, why is the relic not here? There's actually like a secret entrance hidden somewhere else on the island that's not ma- uh, not marked on your map that you have to find and then go through like a tunnel of sorts to get to the relic. So it's just kind of a pain in the butt. I, I'm not going to probably waste my time with it right now. I actually deleted it off my uh, library because I needed to make space for other games. So I still need to collect 30 of the 60. It's, it's just a mindless grind that I just don't feel like doing. It'd probably take two or three hours and I just, that's two or three hours I could be spending doing something far more meaningful to get one trophy that, again, means nothing in the grander scheme of things. So uh, all of that to say, Far Cry 3 is just an outstanding uh, game. And if you're looking for a Far Cry game to kind of 
see if that series is for you. I think three is definitely the place to, to kind of step in. And then the other game I got uh, recently was Legend of K, which is a PlayStation 2 game remastered for current generation consoles. I think you can get it on both PS4 and Nintendo Switch. And it's kind of like the best way I can pitch it. It's a 3D platformer. And it's kind of like Kung Fu Panda, except you play as a cat, if that makes sense. So basically you play as this little cat warrior who you have this very Shifu, Master Roshi kind of like wise sage that kind of brings you into the ways of Kung Fu and he gives you a samurai sword and then you kind of set off on this adventure, platforming your way through these very structured linear levels, uh, fighting enemies. It's it's very traditional Jack and Daxter 1, um, Mario 64. Like, it's a very kind of bare-bones platformer with some minimal combat action sequences. If you're looking for just a fun platformer, I think it's, it's definitely one to check out. I would kind of try and get it on the cheap. I waited until it was six bucks because currently or it typically retails for 30. I think if you can get it for less than 15, it's definitely worth your time. But one of the songs in the game I want to showcase, because I listen to at work, I listen to a lot of compilation soundtracks. So it'll play through three hours of video game music across dozens of games. And this song has come up in a number of playlists, but I never checked to see the game it was from. But when you're in the main hub area of the game, when it begins, this song plays. And it's just phenomenal. So check this out. This is Cat Village, the song that plays in the main area of Legend of K. Just super zen, just you know, just kind of chill music. Uh, I don't know. Dude, I want to. I want to thank you for turning that off because not because the music's bad, because it really reminds me of Asian Star Buffet. (laughs) (laughs) I really want some rats on a stick right now. (laughs) Oh my gosh, you're ridiculous. But yeah, so good. It does, right? I I miss that place. You're gonna probably get Chinese food takeout today now because that's just. Dude, that'll be that'll be tomorrow. Um, oh my gosh, that's that music, right? It's just you're like in a, a an Asian buffet. It's just it sounds. Yeah, that's all I want. Walking through the streets of <laughs> that's Japan. That's all I want right now. <laughs> I want to be walking through the streets of Japan listening to that music. But no, that uh, sounds amazing too. Great soundtrack, nonetheless. If you can find Legend of K on the cheap, it's a fun little three D platformer. Check it out. Uh, the final game. Well, I have two more games. I'll quickly try and get to. As Ryan was saying earlier in the episode, he was really in the mood to get into a game where you create your own character in like a fantasy world setting, an open world RPG, you're kind of left your own devices to kind of do whatever you want. And I was in the very same mindset. I wanted to get into a Skyrim-like game that wasn't Skyrim because I've played that game so much. And a game that I got on the cheap um, sometime last year, I think, 
was a game called Kingdom Come Deliverance. I think listener of the show, friend Nolan of the Young Nostalgia Podcast, I think he's played this game, if I'm not mistaken. And it's, you know, I didn't read a whole lot into it. I saw it, it, it looked like a first-person fantasy setting open-world RPG, very similar to Skyrim, so that's why I purchased it. But it never got the 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 love or the the fan base behind it of of an Elder Scrolls game, and I never knew why it didn't get that attention. Well, after playing it for an hour, I think I know why. So let me take a step back and kind of set the scene because I think Ryan, this game, because of its setting and its story, I think would be very interesting for you. And I think gameplay wise, you would really have the patience for something like this. And so. It actually takes place in the, the like early 15th century in the Kingdom of Bohemia, which is what we know now as the Czech Republic. A little history okay. lesson for you here. So basically, Charles IV dies and his son ends up stepping in his place to reign instead of the son's half-brother. Well, the half-brother kind of loses his mind because he didn't get the throne. And the son that does take the throne is kind of just a useless king. He doesn't really do anything useful, and he kind of just isn't doing the things he should be doing, his kingly duties, if you will. So the the half-brother kidnaps him and kind of goes on this tyrannical raid uh, trying to capture and rule the Bohemian Islands. And part of his campaign is storming this village outside of this kingdom where you're the, the main protagonist lives. So you play as this young man named Henry, who is this blacksmith's son. And that's kind of the difference between this game and Skyrim, is that you have no control or choice over who your character is, really. Because you're Henry. You're not, you can't be an Argonian, or a bard, or a Nord, or a high elf. You are this young man named Henry, this blacksmith's son, well, this half-brother, tyrannical leader storms this village and kills Henry's parents. Henry runs away. And you are an absolute scrub at the beginning of this game. Like, I'm talking freshman, 5'8", 110 pounds, trying to make varsity high school football scrub. Because (laughs) everything you try and do in the game, you suck. You get into a fight, you'll lose no matter how good you are with fighting in in video games. Trying to lockpick, trying to steal, trying to sneak, all of your skill sets are absolute garbage. And it and that's where, like you look at a game like Skyrim, where within 5, 10, 15 minutes, you escape the prison, you're supposed to have your head lopped off, but thanks to a dragon for saving your ass, you get out and you're just, introduced into this huge open world and you can do whatever you want you can go and do main quest you can do thieves guild fighters guild brother uh brother what is the brotherhood thing the brotherhood uh campaign that you can do the dark brotherhood mage guild whatever you want to do you know you're, you're left your own devices in that sense kingdom come deliverance is a slow burn in the beginning because your father is a blacksmith. He's having you run several errands and it's very character conversational focused. So it reminds me a lot of like a Bioware game like Knights of the Old Republic or Mass Effect where 
abilities and stats grow depending on what you say in those conversations. It's kind of a branched dialogue tree, so you obviously have different options to say. And conversations can even be affected by what you're wearing. So let's just say after you get a sword and armor or whatever, you go into the forest, you complete a side quest, you brawl with a bear, whatever it is, and then you come back to town and you're all muddied up, you look really grisly and rough, and you go up and let's say you're on a new quest and you talk to a key character that you need an item from. He might be less he might be more hesitant to give you something because you're all muddied up. Because you might you might seem inferior in that sense. So there's like water buckets strategically placed around towns where you have to clean yourself up before you could talk to someone to kind of have that better sense of persuasion. Or you could just kill the guy and just take whatever you need. So it's it's I don't know. It's just it's a lot That's different. Very tedious. Yeah, it just seems very tedious in that sense. It also features a need system, which requires your player to sleep and eat in order to stay healthy. So like in Skyrim, you can eat an apple or random meat on a stick that you find, and it's just health. It's just an added bonus. It's not because you need to eat or you need to sleep. It's just helps the character's stamina or health meter. In this, it's a requirement. And so... Mm. If, if you can overlook all of those kind of tedious things, I think there's actually a really great hardcore first-person role-playing experience there set in a very beautiful fantasy setting. I actually think graphically it's far more... It's, it's better looking than Skyrim because Skyrim is kind of gray and gross, largely speaking, where Kingdom Come Deliverance, you have these lush forests hills of green for days it's a lot more vibrant and colorful and i think in that sense it's more appealing and the fighting style looks largely the same of skyrim except there's no magic or anything like that it's very bare bones you have a bow and arrow sword axe shield those types of things and so i don't know when i'll have the patience to get through kind of the opening tutorial moments but I was watching like videos on YouTube, like what do I need to do to get myself prepped to play this game? And I watched a, a review from someone and they were saying that if you can overlook kind of the, the tedious nature of the game, it's actually a really great open world RPG. They also, and this is really interesting to me, they compared it to Demon Souls in the sense that, you know, it's this ambitious undertaking of a genre that's just already has dozens of games like Skyrim and the Risen and Gothic series on the PC, these medieval fantasy RPGs that why would anyone else enter that arena when they've already done such a masterful job? And they compared it to Demon's Souls in the first, in the sense that, you know, um, it's a terrific first effort that'll probably be too steep of an undertaking for new players. But later on when they have, hopefully, subsequent entries of this series, people will look back on this Kingdom Come Deliverance is kind of that crowning jewel that kickstarted this new series. So, whether, I don't know, War, Ho- War Horse, Deep Silver, I think they're the developers of this game, uh, whether they do anything else with the series later on remains to be seen. Um, but I want to I want to give this game its fair shot. I just have to have the patience to play it. I don't know. Yeah, it sounds interesting. I mean, graphically, it looks really nice. Are you looking um, at some screenshots and stuff? Yeah, I am. Um, combat or like the first person definitely kind of looks the same. Um, 
It's hard going back. Is It's on PS4, you said? Yeah, I think... I mean, I think it's also an Xbox and PC. It almost feels like it's better suited for, like, a PC experience. Um, but on the back, you know, it says, Explore a vast open world, discover majestic castles and landscapes, solve quests with cunning skills, and face the consequences of your decisions. Um, yeah, so I don't know. It, it looks like a very tedious Bioware game, you know, throwing in Skyrim into the blender as well. But... Um, I don't know, Nolan, please get in the Discord. Anyone else that's played Kingdom Come Deliverance, what are some of the best tips if you've played this game? Get in the Discord, let us know, because I want to be sold. I want to enjoy that game. Some of those early hours, though, it's just a it's just a steep hill to get over. So, I don't know. We'll I'm see. trying to find a game or what platform it's for. Um, have you heard of For Honor? Yeah, that's like it looks the... Like yeah, I have that downloaded because I think it was free on PlayStation Plus. That's like the um, ninja medieval samurai fighting game or something like that. It's like very yeah, PvP but apparently focused. the combat is amazing. Okay, um, like direction, you have to like dictate directionally based off of theirs. It's like it looks really good. Okay, and the PvP is supposed to be amazing. So um, I think that would be a cool one too to play. Nice. But, yeah, I, um, yeah. I don't know. We'll see if I ever get back to this. I, I'd like to. It looks like it's it's a good time if I can get over that steep learning curve. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know what I want to start because RPGs are such a long endeavor. And they like, are. I'm how do you know how long Kingdom Come would take to finish? I think like thirty to forty hours. Okay. Um, yeah, still. But that's kind of where I've been this past week is I didn't want to, and we kind of talked about this before we started recording, I didn't want to start because I was looking at my gaming shelf and I was popping in games and only spending like 30 minutes with, I didn't want to do that for a game like God of War, the Shadow of the Colossus remaster, uh, or even Resident Evil 2, like some of these games that when you're in, you need to be in for the long haul because I didn't want to mm-hmm. sour the experience for me, you know, and I've already done that for God of War. I've already played that game for an hour but I wasn't ready to really dip my toes into it and I had to back out. I don't want to do that again. So that's why I, right now, and I was up late last night playing Jack 2, which is obviously the sequel to Jack and Daxter, Naughty Dog's platforming series back on the PlayStation 2, having a really, really good time revisiting that. So I'll probably just stick with that until something really scratches my fancy. I mean, you and I might end up playing Silent Hill 2 or Resident Evil 1 or something like that that we're going to co-op. But in terms of like really sinking my teeth into a long experience, like Final Fantasy VII Remake, I kind of backed out of that because I want to play the original, but I wasn't ready to play the original because I just sinked 50 hours into uh, Final Fantasy XV. So I don't know. It's kind of what you always get into those gaming rut moods, and that's that's kind of where I think we're both at right now. Yeah. Oh, I, I totally forgot I played Final Fantasy VII. So I got past where the demo ends and that's kind of one of the main things so like none of the trailers that i watch spoil anything mm-hmm. so i ended up getting out of uh it's been like two weeks the city midgar um and it's kind of yeah and started kind of the main open world kind of part of the plot and when, um, so when you say entertaining. when you say you played final fantasy 7 past the demo you mean past the remake where the remake leaves off yeah so like the the remake ends where you live leave the city mm-hmm. and i beat the original um 
past that point where you get out of the city. And, like, even in the trailers, you see portions of, like, that end kind of trek. And I, I didn't watch any trailers besides, like, seeing Cloud, like, that first one, him walking through with his sword on his back. Because I didn't want to spoil anything. And, like, now watching those trailers after having beaten up into the point that that ends, I'm like, oh, that looks freaking amazing. And that's kind of how I pictured it happening as I was playing. But yeah, I'm glad I didn't have any of it spoiled by playing it first before I watched anything. Yeah, that'll probably be a slow gr- grind for me. Uh, we'll get into some new stuff and some games that are we've we have actual release dates for this summer. But I feel like maybe between those, I'll get back to uh, original OG res- uh, Final Fantasy VII just to kind of because I, I want to be able to talk about remake seven remake when we talk about games of the year uh, at the end of the year. But I don't know if I'll get to it this year or not. And and honestly, I'm not rushing to do so because I really feel like I'm so it's obvious I'm so glad the game turned out as beautiful polished and perfect as it has and so many fans are just singing its praises so happy and they said it's worth the wait and I'm so happy for fans of seven what I worry about is that they do not have a clear plan for this game's release you know, Nomura is saying, I want um, I want this to be more succinct in like three installments, so I want to stretch it each disc out further, whereas another director on the game is kind of like, well, no, I'd rather have smaller pieces of it, so we have, you know, like five, six, maybe seven different installments of this. If the directors of the game are kind of clashing heads or not really sure how they want to release the game, that that's a problem. I know they're hard at work with the next bit that they're going to end up releasing. But I, I seriously believe with Normora in one of the big decision maker chairs of this game's development, this is going to turn into fans waiting for Kingdom Hearts 3. I, 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 I mark my words, we won't be playing the complete Final Fantasy VII package until we're on the brink or already in PlayStation 6, 6's release. Which is kind yeah, of I'd sad to me. And if you map it out and do the math, I, I'm not paying like $400 to play all of Final Fantasy VII. Like that's that's ridiculous to me. Yeah, I'll probably wait for this remake to go on sale before I play it or yeah. borrow yours. But I mean, it would be cool. I mean, you could always just watch the movie <laughs> if you really want to understand the plot in high definition. Yeah. yeah I'm sure when you get crap from... Think- from Chrono Link about this, but I mean, I don't know how, I don't care how you dice it, Chrono Link and, and fans of Final Fantasy VII, like, we're going to be waiting a really, really long time before this game is finished, and we're going to be paying a, a lot of money because this is probably going to be five or six different parts, and, you know, six times six, that's 360 bucks, man. That That's that's a lot of money to, to shelve, shovel out for uh, for one game to, to be remade. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I think the, the fault with this was sending it out and hyping everyone's expectations and producing a good product, which is not a bad thing, but having no clear direction that then disappoints everyone. So whether it's a good product or not, I think we'll see what happens and hopefully it's good. Hopefully we're just Debbie downers and we're being pessimistic. Yeah. I mean, I I hope no more. Yeah. I mean, I I hope they, they prove us wrong and you know, this time next year we're, we're playing the second 
the second uh, part of Final Fantasy VII Remake, but I don't, I don't see that happening. I think 2022... Oh, why not the third? Or even the fourth by next year. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, I think 2022 is, is a generous when we'll see the next part in this. Um, yeah. But that's neither here nor there. I want to celebrate and praise the game that we have gotten thus far, which is phenomenal from what I've played. And from hearing from others, it's just a crowning achievement uh, remake that I don't think anyone ever thought was going to come to fruition. So uh, hats off to the development team and everyone at Square Enix, really, for just actually getting that first part out, I, I suppose. But enough about the games we've been playing, Ryan. We have a couple news stories to get to. It's been a month, so quite a bit's happened, most of which I think was actually announced in the past week. But we finally got a release date for my most anticipated game of the year in The Last of Us Part Two. It's been a crazy development cycle for that game. I think it was supposed to originally come out February 20-something, rather, and then May 29th, and then because of logistical reasons given COVID-19 they had to delay it again and then I haven't I haven't really confirmed this or validated what was actually leaked but there was rumors going around that part of major major events we'll say and Last of Us 2 were actually leaked online um again I I didn't really read into this because I don't want any of this game spoiled for me and I don't know. It's it's weird that shortly after that, they confirmed, like, oh, hey, this game's coming out in a month, everyone. Um, I don't know if that sped up their announcement of the release date or what, but regardless, the game is coming out June 19th. I cannot wait to finally play that game, and I think I'm going to kind of go radio silent on anything else trailer-wise, uh, tweets from Neil Druckmann, anything. I just want to go into that game only having seen the the trailers that I've seen thus far, and um, yeah, anxiously awaiting the June 19th release date, which will be here before we know it, because Ryan, I don't know if you're aware, it's actually mid-May, it's not, it's no longer March, we actually, April didn't even happen, so. Yeah, it's crazy to think we're already almost in the summer, like, where the hell did time go? I don't know, that's a good question, it, it's kind of just escaped us, but. I've been flying. I've, yeah, I mean, even this entire year has flown by. It really has. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, but then we also kind of tied with Last of Us Part Two. We got a announcement and release date for Ghost of Tsushima, uh, or Tsushima, yeah. or however you want to pronounce that. It's coming July 17th, so a month after The Last of Us Part Two. Going to be a busy summer because I feel like typically the summer months is kind of dry because most companies are just gearing up for E3, which is no longer happening. So I guess in place of that, we have two outstanding PlayStation exclusives, actually, to keep us busy, which I'm very excited about. And especially because of the COVID thing, pushing everything back, they just now we have a busy summer, which those are two great games to have in the summer. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I Definitely. Be a huge game. I think so, too. I think that's very much going to be a kind of Souls-like experience in terms of hours required to beat. It's probably going to be, at least I hope, I hope it's going to be a 25 to to 30-hour experience. I I definitely want to get my money out of that. And based on the recent state of play on Thursday, we got 18 minutes of footage from the game. It looks as stunning as ever. Gameplay-wise, looks right up my alley. Very stealth-focused, samurai-like gameplay. It it, kind of looks like the Sekiro game I wanted honestly yeah i really like how um 
like the more you explore, the more tomes or whatever things you find. And it's all like the exploration is guided by animals, like birds, the wind, not the wind is an animal, but like I think butterflies or something like that. Just different types of the environment actually guide you Mm -hmm. instead of like, hey, here, come this way as like a map marker, which is really cool. Um, I think if hopefully the main story takes like 30 hours, um, but it'll definitely be stretched out to probably 50 or 60. Just, I mean, you can recolor all your armor by collecting flowers. And if Horizon's any indication of, like, let's go kill animals for, like, three hours just to upgrade my pouches, I think this will be kind of the same way as I get new armor and trying to make my character look how I want them to. Yeah. Yeah, and it looks like they're doing enough interesting things that it's not like, hey, we're borrowing assets from Horizon here, we're borrowing assets from Sekiro and Souls-like stuff here, and then a little bit of Skyrim mechanics here. It looks like they're really doing a lot of original things as well, and I think that uh, movement of the wind thing is certainly uh, indicative of that, and even just how... Oh, there's a call from my dad every episode. Love you, Dad. And um, <laughs> Even after weeks off, it's still going on. It still happens, man. It's a signature Otaku Brothers special. It always happens. That's what you're here. You're not here for us or our voices. You're here for the uh, random calls. Well, it's kind of like there. watching a horror movie, waiting for that jump scare. It's like da- Rusty's dad. He's gonna call. It's just when's it gonna happen? You know, every- all the listeners the are. Girl to die first. Like it's gonna happen. Yep. You know that basic bitch got to die sometime. But you know when's da- Rusty's dad's gonna call? Who takes their top off first is the one who dies. Like, yeah, that's what I found. That's typically yeah. There's, there's a strong correlation between blonde chick taking her top off and scream or whatever horror movie and and dying yeah yeah so keep your clothes on kids (laughs) you you won't die this is i mean probably don't go to abandoned like psycho wards or psych wards but yeah eh. which one's really the causation there yeah this is an educational program folks keep your clothes on um what the heck were we talking about uh ghosts of tsushima (laughs) yep ghosts Looks great. Very much anticipating that. It's uh, we only have two months to wait, almost to the day. So uh, yeah, should be really good times. And I'm absolutely sold. That'll be a day one purchase for me, no doubt. Yeah, I mean, I was iffy, but it's definitely gotten a lot better. I mean, it looks beautiful. Hopefully, it runs well. Hopefully, I, we haven't seen any bosses. I don't know if it's going to be like kill this outpost and you're slowly taking over. I'm hoping there's some bigger bosses because a lot of the enemies were. Look like one or two hit KO, which would I? I mean, it would make sense. Getting hit with a sword a couple times, I'd probably die. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I'm kind of a beast, so maybe like five or six kills, mm-hmm. but like, or sh- slashes. But like, I hopefully there's some bosses that are gonna provide some challenge opposed to the just stealthing. Yeah, I think they're probably not, not every game needs bosses or huge kind of cinematics, but that'd be kind of what i'd be wanting yeah no i think there probably will be and uh, i think that's another game where i'll kind of go rogue now and just won't watch anything more or read up anymore on the game i think i've seen enough to cause me to drop 60 bucks on it looks great and uh yeah i don't need anything more spoiled for me in terms of mechanics of the game or, or different sceneries and things like that it just looks great so day one for me yeah, uh me another announcement which was interesting this week you know I don't know what it was, but I, the video game industry just felt like dropping bombs. And 
I was scrolling through Twitter, must have been Tuesday, maybe, maybe Wednesday, and there was a screenshot of a text message that supposedly Tony Hawk sent to another person kind of saying, hey, we have a big announcement going out. Tony Hawk 1 and 2 are being remastered. Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 and 2 from the PS1 N64 Dreamcast days were being remastered. Now, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, listeners, there was a crapshoot of a remake of the first game, Tony Hawk Pro Skater HD, on the PS3 360 in the 2012-ish era, 14-ish area, and then there was the absolute crapshoot of a reimagining of Tony Hawk in Tony Hawk 5 that came out like maybe a year and a half ago. Well, it came to fruition. Tony Hawk 1 and 2 are being remastered coming uh, September 4th this year, this fall, and based on the trailers we saw, it looks as good as it ever has. They showed side-by-side footage of the original versus what the new game looks like. And graphically, it looks exactly what I would have ever imagined a remaster to look like for the first two games. All of the original music is coming back. All the original skaters. Everything that was in those base original games are coming back with additional features, skaters, levels, and music. And my gosh, people, can we all just come together and jam to our favorite song and imagine we are skating down in the warehouse level of Tony Hawk 1. Let's go! Yeah, so Goldfinger, Superman, let's go. Tony Hawk, Warehouse, September 4th, people. I'm ready. Let's do it. You excited? Whatever tonight? happened to skateboarding? Um, That's I don't a, know. I think yeah, that was... Like, you know, it's weird because I think Neversoft, they kind of created a revolution with their games in terms of Tony Hawk games created this new generation of people wanting to skateboard and punk and what have you, you know, and then the Guitar Hero craze came out and that was like, everyone wants to pick up a Les Paul and learn how to play guitar and then rock band, you know, the drums and everything like that. Um, Fortnite, everyone wants to dance and be a tool. That's right. Yeah. That's all true stories. (laughs) Um, yeah, I don't know. I uh, I definitely was caught up in the hype. I had a skateboard back in the day. I had a Adidas visor that I flipped upside down and wore backwards. I'm guilty as charged. I thought I was Bob Burnquist, like the whole nine. I just really became a skateboarder back then. And I royally sucked. I scraped my knees, but it was a good time. And I remember having my Sony Walkman player and my crappy headphones in my pocket well, the headphones were on my head. The Sony Walkman was in my my pocket, skateboarding down my street, listening to Baja Man or 
uh, Savage Garden or whatever else the hell I was listening to when I was, you know, eight years old. But uh, yeah, those those days will never be replicated, but we can at least reminisce and have all the nostalgic juices flowing September 4th when, uh, you know, it's funny. Let's just like, let's think about this for a second. We are getting Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 remastered coming to the PlayStation 4. Ryan, what's the color of a PlayStation 4 game case? Got blue. Yeah, it is. Well, guess what color the N64 cartridge was 22 years ago or however many years it was. I'm guessing blue. It was blue. Yes, we've come full circle, folks. Man, I can't wait. If if I was more excited about Tony Hawk 1 being remastered or the Ghost of Tsushima uh, footage this week, I might have to say Tony Hawk just because like that was my childhood and it's I'm getting to relive that now in just a few short months. So super pumped about that. That was just uh, the highlight of my week. It was really good stuff. But moving right along, Ryan, because I don't want to bore you with my Tony Hawk love. And I know you weren't really. No, I mean, I I think the only Tony Hawks that I've ever played was, I think, the fourth one, maybe. I I never, I mean, I didn't have a PlayStation. I don't think I had that for N64. But I did play it, uh, Tony Hawk F4, at my friend's house. And it was a good time. Um, I've seen some gameplay of five, and it does not look enthralling but I, I think this will be a fun one for sure yeah tony hawk uh three and four were freaking amazing i loved those games and played them to death on the ps2 and the one games or the two games i am ashamed to have never really gotten into because it was kind of like for me when guitar hero four and five came out i was just burnt out on the series and i kind of was done with guitar hero similarly with the tony hawk underground games i know i know people are like oh russ like sighing in disbelief i i know tony hawk underground games are held in the highest of regard i just never got into them not because they weren't good games i just never really played them because i was burnt out on tony hawk um and i wish you know i wish with my psp i would have gotten underground 2 remix with bam on the front cover or whatever but i i just never got on board with that either but uh but all of that to say still i'm i'm super pumped that we're getting tony hawk 1 and 2 and tony hawk the man the myth the legend was able to uh kind of spoil the announcement himself probably purposefully uh on twitter i thought that was just such a, a great tease and such a fun way to announce the the remake. So good stuff. Can't wait to get those September fourth. But Ryan, there were a couple other interesting quick announcements that we'll probably spend some time on here at the tail end of the show. Uh, Xbox had a showcase, and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they did. <laughs> Ryan and I are kind of notoriously known for crapping on Microsoft. All right, and. I don't want to spend a lot of time. I know we have some very big Microsoft Xbox fans that listen to this podcast, and there's nothing wrong with that. Microsoft, I, I mean, I had a 360. I played only 360 games during that generation for the most part until someone gifted me a PlayStation 3. So I was a Microsoft guy for a long time, at least that generation. Um, but for the Xbox One generation, there just wasn't enough exclusive games to get me on board in I'm kind of feeling the same way with this next generation because you can tout whatever features, gizmos, and doodads that you want for your console. I think the idea of buying a game for Xbox One and then getting it for free on Series X is an outstanding feature, but but people, that's not incentivizing me to get a Series X. That's incentivizing me 
to stick with the Xbox One, one and not buy a $500 console day one. Uh, but it's a, it's a great feature. I think it's phenomenal that they announced that. And quite honestly, I'm jealous that Sony hasn't announced a similar feature thus far from upgrading from four to five. However, I think my biggest frustration coming away from the Xbox showcase was telling us you're going to do one thing and just, and just not doing it. Okay. The biggest selling point of that whole thing, it seemed like was we're going to show actual gameplay, actual gameplay, actual. It was kind of like the Xbox one showcase way back when, where it was like dogs, call of duty, sports, TV, sports, call of duty, dogs, ESPN. And everyone made a laughing stock out of it. Well, this conference, like especially with the Assassin's Creed Valhalla showcase, it was kind of like, watch this never-before-seen world showcase footage of Assassin's Creed Valhalla, and they showed another cinematic of the of the game. Like I don't, I don't. Someone show me the the clip of of gameplay. I just didn't see it, and that's neither here nor there. But I just, I, I don't understand why why they were touting gameplay when they weren't really showing gameplay. And then Ryan and I are Sony fanboys. Sony comes out and drops a bombshell of a 16-minute demo running on Unreal Engine 5 that was actual gameplay. Um, all of this to and say... that's not to say that that couldn't run on a, a Xbox Series X, but it was a hell of a marketing um, or probably a deal with Unreal Engine to announce it with PS5. Yeah. And, and my biggest frustration with both Sony and Microsoft, let that be abundantly clear as we continue to talk about the, the Sony Unreal demo and um, the, the Microsoft conference, really two things. Let's first talk about the Microsoft conference. I know this was an appetizer. This was the mozzarella sticks before the burger and fries that are coming here in June or July when Xbox is going to come out and show us a full gameplay demo of Halo Infinite and probably showcasing some of the other launch titles and launch window games coming to Xbox. And that'll probably knock my socks off and I'll be super pumped to play Halo and it's going to be amazing. Sony, they showed this demo, but they really have been super tight-lipped about... PS5. We've seen the controller. We don't know what the console looks like. We don't know what games to expect at launch because it sounds like Valhalla is an Xbox exclusive, at least in the near term. And we don't know really anything about the PlayStation 5. And my biggest frustration with both both of the, the big uh, uh, consoles there is that I felt like at least the PS3 360 generation I spent a year and a half, two years thumbing through Game Informers, Game Pros, Xbox magazines, looking at screenshots of Oblivion, The Outfit, uh, Fight Night Round 3, Madden 2006, Gun, Gears of War, Resistance Fall of Man, and just oogling and foaming at the mouth of how beautiful these games look. The gameplay they were describing was just so exciting, and I was just anxiously anticipating getting my hands on a next-gen controller and experiencing these new games. And people, we were like, it's May. I just made the joke that we skipped April and what have you. It's going to be October, November, December, before we know it. And we know nothing about these consoles, all things considered. We've seen the Xbox Series X console. We know Valhalla's coming for it. We know 
Halo Infinite's coming for it, but like we've seen so little, and that's what worries me most. I mean, maybe that's just the the hype train we're supposed to get on, and three months before it comes out, they're just gonna shove a whole bunch of information down our throats and say, "Hey, it's coming out in three months. Save your dollars." You know, I, I don't know. I just I think that consistent level of hype over the course of the leading up to launch is just maybe that's just lost nowadays because of the internet and the, how quickly information spreads. The new thing is just, hey, two months before it comes out, that's when you're going to learn everything. I don't know. What are your thoughts, Ryan? See, I don't know if it's their lack of information or just COVID slowing everything down. I mean, because they can't meet, so they can't prepare stuff. Um, I don't know how hard it is to render everything at home if they're working remotely. Um, I think there was a a job listing on Sony's thing for working to get PS5 out in October, which that is five months months away. Um, I'd be curious what uh, the response that Xbox has or Microsoft has to Sony's presentation with this 15-minute demo about light and how it there's a bunch of triangles and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to have to come back strong. Um, Valhalla... Definitely not enough to make me want to spend money on a system, money on a game, and then microtransactions based off of Ubisoft. Yeah, I mean they can keep that exclusive, um, but I'm I'm curious how they respond, and then how Sony comes back because I think all Sony has to do now with Microsoft's response is say, "Hey guys, here's what our." console looks like it doesn't look like a refrigerator like that's all they have to do in response to the chess play that microsoft plays i mean we are five months out from that season of pre-ordering systems and stuff so they're gonna have to start dropping stuff soon and it'll probably be in the summer months when kids are off school where they can really start getting that hype train and start getting into those releases and as things kind of open up Hopefully, we can start seeing stuff. Um, I think it'll start picking up. I I mean, I never read magazines to figure out stuff. It was just, hey. I mean, I never got uh, systems besides maybe the GameCube, like day one of launch. Um, Yeah, I think that's really the only system. Maybe a 3DS. I mean, I, I had an Xbox... And then Xbox 360, I never had any of the PlayStations originally. And then I went into PS3 kind of early because I wanted Resident or Resistance. Definitely not Resident Evil, but <laughs> yeah, I, I think it'll start picking up. Now that we're starting to see these, there's no way that Microsoft doesn't respond to this. Because, yeah, their their game is weak. For what they showed. I mean, they showed some game titles more obscure. Yeah, they, and I think it's it's cool I that they... Yeah, one, I think it's neat that they gave some of the third parties their fair share, which, again, why, when I made the analogy to food, appetizer to the main dish, that's, that's what's coming. I mean, that's in the pipeline. I'm sure Microsoft already has queued up what they're going to show, which I, I assume that Halo Infinite is going to be the haymaker there. But I think it would be even better if if we loop back to the Xbox One announcement. One of the biggest things that they, they announced was, hey, Killer Instinct is coming back, and so is Battletoads. 
which that that that's cool. I'm glad that Rare came back to revive those franchises. But if you want to cater to like a broader audience, you need something, you need to revive something that is more appealing to all age demographics, both people that are like, you know, in their 30s or 40s that are still gaming it up. And then these this new generation of gamer that's very focused on FIFA, 2K, uh, 2K basketball, Fortnite, those types of games that don't really stray away from the first person shooter sports genre that's appealing to them. I, I don't know what that is. You know, I'm not in marketing. I'm not looking at the demographics of age groups and what they're playing and things of that nature. And maybe this is just Rusty's brain and Rusty's, you know, nostalgic juices, you know, talking. But I think something like a Perfect Dark or a Banjo Kazooie or I don't know, just something that's gonna be that's gonna be more appealing to a broader audience to say, hey. Halo Infinite, we're going to show you a 20, 15, 10-minute demo, whatever it is. It's going to blow people's minds. It's going to look so good. And then as Nintendo often does, they say, oh, before we go, we want to show you one thing. It's not coming out soon, but we want to give you just a small tease of what's in development at Nintendo. You know, whatever they say. And then they show Breath of the Wild 2 or Metroid Prime 4 or Banjo-Kazooie's announced for Smash. You know, something that's just really going to like blow people's minds, catch people off guard. That's what I think Microsoft needs to do because right now I think they're catering to the Xbox audience. People that own Xbox Ones are already sold on Series X. People that play PlayStation consoles, maybe I'm just speaking for myself, but I think I can speak for at least Ryan, we're not ready to jump ship or be on both ships right now. So they need something to really tap into the Sony PlayStation marketplace right now. I don't know what that game is, but I hope for them and for me, I'm not, I don't have a problem owning both consoles. I won't buy both day one, but I might eventually get a Series X down the line. Help me to, to, to get it to yeah, buy do in. Do your job in sales and marketing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if big thing is Halo and Halo can be run on a computer, and I just bought a computer, why would I buy a $600 thing when I bought a $1,200 thing that can run more things other than just specifically... I mean, they can run a lot of Microsoft's library on Steam and on uh, whatever the people who own the Unreal Engine is. Um, So, yeah, I mean, they're really going to have an uphill battle selling me on something. I already know series on PlayStation 5 that I want to play. I mean, next God of War, Spider-Man. Um, Horizon Elden 2, Rings. Bloodborne oh, 2, Her- Potential Demon Souls, Ratchet & Clank, your last your Naughty Dog properties. I mean, I, I just there's so many developers, both first party and third party, that cater specifically to the, the PlayStation marketplace that I just... there's There's no scenario where... I only buy Series X. Right now, it's just like, will I buy both eventually? Yeah. Yeah, they're really going to have to come back with gameplay or they're going to be pretty far behind. I mean, it's crazy to think that Sony hasn't even showed a game. They haven't even shown their system. They showed a controller and said, hey, it's a different color and we have it vibrates more. Like, go pleasure yourselves <laughs> with these potentials of games. It's all we've seen is a potential engine to run things that don't exist and we'll never be able to play. Like we we saw a demo where someone's like super saying through a, a blow like a city that's crumbling. 
But like, it's not actually a game. <laughs> and that's it's, the thing that's crazy about it. It's, hey, our system has the potential to play this thing. We made this for you guys. It's technically gameplay it's, or playable. But yeah, here's yeah. what's to come. And I think that's the that engine probably won't be day one. It'll probably take a year or two for that to be implemented because whatever's going to be launched day one is probably not, unless they're already working with the system, is probably not going to be in those games. But we'll mm-hmm. see. Yeah, I but mean, I, I think- don't care about K. Like, I don't care about 8K resolution. I'll stick with 4K resolution with more frame rates or higher frame rate. Well, but. and that's that's a thing with, with any console for me. I mean, I obviously, if it looks better and it loads quicker, I'm happy. But it comes down to games. That Bottom line. That's why I buy a console. I buy a console to play the games on it. That's why if, I, if I'm looking at retro consoles, I'm not going back to buy a Gizmondo or Neo Geo Pocket Color because graphically it looks cool i'm buying it because i want to play a specific game on that console and it's no different moving forward for next generation i'm buying an xbox series x i'm buying a playstation 5 to play that game so would you get i mean i think playstation is our baseline condition um and then it's really what whether we add xbox or not so would you rather get i mean this hasn't even been announced a new Nintendo Switch or whatever their upgrade to that is or the new Xbox. I mean, we know very little about both, but like if we're assuming we're both going to get a PS5. Um, okay, so let's, I mean, let's paint the scenario here. So you're saying, I mean, this isn't going to happen, but hypothetically, if the Switch 2 comes out in November and Series X comes out in November, you're asking what I buy in what I'd rather buy in for the Switch 2 or the Series X. Yeah, I mean, you haven't pl- played a lot of the main games like Breath of the Wild. I mean, being one huge one. Say Breath of the Wild 2 comes out on this new Switch that allows you to go, I don't know, teleport into Hyrule. Yeah. I don't know what Nintendo's cooking up in their like crazy world, but... What, what do you think you'd rather do? I, I'd probably get Series X just because I, I haven't played so much of the Switch's library. I mean, I've played some of the heavy hitters, but I haven't played Breath of the Wild. I haven't played Tropical Freeze. Um, I haven't played... Uh, I haven't finished Super Mario Odyssey. I, I mean, I've really only played like the Pokemon games, Smash, Mario Kart, and Animal Crossing. Like Those are the games that I've, I've really focused my time on. I still have Fire Emblem, Three Houses. I have Octopath Traveler. I have Ori in the the Blind Forest downloaded on the console. I have so much there that I can still dip my toes into. It would be nonsensical to drop 400 bones on a next Nintendo console when I haven't played 80% of the library that exists already, you know? Um, and Series X would, would open the, the, the floodgates to, I mean, Halo Infinite on that console and whatever else they offer... And what if they have backwards compatibility, then I could get a lot of the Xbox One games I already missed out on. So that that opens up me into that whole library. And even, I think, some 360 and original Xbox games that I could play backwards compatibility. So, so yeah, I think for me, that would be almost a no-brainer situation. I'd get the, I'd get the, the Series X with, with the thought process of, you know, in three years, maybe I'll get the next Nintendo console. But again, that's all hypothetical. Yeah, I guess that is a good point. You really, 
I mean, you claim to like J- Japan and all of its stuff, but you really haven't sunk enough time into Nintendo products. I know. You're it's... really is what I've gathered. <laughs> I am, yeah. And I think, and this is kind of like a gamer confession here. I think... Yeah, I mean, I, I'm almost ashamed to call you a friend and a brother. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, I play the main heavy hitters of the Switch, which is like one of the craziest systems. I know. And I think that's just more my my tastes in, in playing games as I've gotten older. Um, and it's in absolute... I want to make this clear. It's in no way saying Nintendo is just a kid console because it's absolutely not. Uh, but I think post-Wii generation... My love of Nintendo properties, it didn't dwindle, but I my taste just changed a little bit more towards like your Bloodborne, your Bloodborns, your Uncharted, your Dark Souls, your uh, your Horizons, your your games that you're not getting on Nintendo consoles, and we never will. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's that's the difference, uh, and that's why I haven't played a lot of Nintendo games. It's not because I don't want to play. Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze because that is I could drop everything right now and play that game because that game looks amazing. David Wise is a composing legend. The music, the plot, everything about that game I want to play. Fire Emblem Three Houses. Those are all games I desire and want to play. Same thing with Breath of the Wild. But I think some of those other games on Sony consoles and even Xbox might tip the scale a little bit in terms of what I'm prioritizing. And I think that's just a slight difference. Um... So yeah, I, I I guess the benefit of that is I still have a backlog of amazing games on Switch that I'll eventually get to, and I think, and I think honestly to be to, to be completely honest, I think my gaming tastes will shift again when Lauren and I have kids because I won't be able to sit in front of a, a TV screen when we have a crying baby that needs care and attention like twenty four seven. I think you know I'll yeah. be locked in the baby room while Lauren is getting sleep. And I won't be able to have a a gaming console there with me. So I think that's when I'm going to catch up on a lot of handheld Switch, PlayStation Vita, uh, 3DS, DS type games. Because that's my my shift is probably going to change to very handheld focused. And I think that's maybe the benefit of having kids. I don't know. But I think that's my shift. The shift will go back to prioritizing Nintendo games, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, it's hard to play like a Bloodborne or like a God of War where people are screaming and dying as like a baby sleeping. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah. I'm sure people are able to do it. Oh yeah, but. people I'm sure have managed. So. But, yeah. but yeah, I don't know, I Ryan. Think I think that's... Go ahead. That we have to cover, right? Yeah, no, those are the only ones I had to cover, so we can probably call it a wrap. All right. Yeah, awesome. It's good to be back, for sure. Um, I've missed this for sure yeah no i miss talking you're like hearing other people's voices I mean, yeah i was pretty alone those last three weeks but yeah yeah no it's been fun to chat it up and <laughs> no one here beside me but you so gotta have friends <laughs> Yeah, no, it's been yeah. fun to chat it up and catch up uh, because I mean, we've been talking obviously over the past month, but it's good to to kind of collaborate and, and share our thoughts on the games that have been announced and the games we've been playing and, and share that with our listeners. So uh, I do want to close though by announcing that Ryan and I are actually shifting to a new podcasting platform, which honestly shouldn't uh, affect 
the majority of our listeners, I think looking at the statistics or the analytics, most of our listeners either listen on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or Google Play. So we we originally had the podcast hosted on Podbean and then through that RSS feed, it fed out to other podcasting platforms. And now we've made the shift to Anchor, which is a free podcasting platform that our friends over at Young Nostalgia, Nolan, shout out to him, please check them out, and also Tarkaron, Zach and Chronolink, we've had both of them on the podcast recently as well. They use Anchor, it seems to work flawlessly, and you get the same benefit of hosting the podcast without the co- the additional cost that Ryan and I were bearing with Podbean. It was $120 a year, and if I don't have to eat that cost and we could still have the luxury and benefit and joy of podcasting and talking to all of you fine people, I'm taking advantage of that. So you can now find it on an additional platform called Anchor, A-N-C-H-O-R. It is also a free app on the App Store. However, it's still feeding out onto Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Chromecast, Google Play, all of those podcasting platforms. It should still be there. If it's not, please drop a comment in the Discord. I checked last night and it seemed like um, I was able to seamlessly download everything into Anchor and change the feed uh, through iTunes. So it should be going to Apple Podcasts as well. Uh, So yeah, just a quick announcement there. It should really, again, not affect any of the listeners. Uh, For those that were primarily listening on Podbean, it will affect you. The podcast will no longer feed into there. So you might need to shift over to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, one of those uh, podcasting platforms. But just wanted to give that quick shout out in case someone was wondering on Podbean why the podcast was not coming out. That is why. But all of that to say, thank you again for all of your patience. We've gotten some new people in the Discord. Link is in the show notes. If you listen to this podcast and you're not on the Discord, please, it's super quick. Just click that link. You're automatically added to the Discord. You just got to create a quick user account. That's when we're having fun discussions about all these announcements that have been coming out this week. We've been in there discussing those in real time, and it's a lot of fun. We have a lot of really awesome people in there, and we would love if you get in there and are talking want to get on the podcast as a guest. We'd love that too. So join the Discord. Again, links in the show notes. Thank you again for your patience. It's been a long time, a month, but Ryan and I are back, hopefully on a consistent schedule, and we will probably, most likely, be back next week with another episode for all you fine people. Ryan, any closing words for you? No, just have a good week. Uh, things are up and opening up a bit. So um, your DoorDash bills and uh, paying people to come to your house is probably going to go a little bit down, but it's still somewhat closed. So stay healthy and stay safe and just keep gaming because that's <laughs> what you have time to do now. So um, yeah, we'll, we'll be back in the future next week probably and uh talk to you then awesome thank you again everyone for listening and we will see you all next week see ya